and baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto till I die a few days late, but hey, better than never. <laughs> um, uh, this is the TFC uh, fan show. I'm Mike Newell. And when the night is darkest, you must go and find the light. Or in the case of Toronto FC, you go find another 30-plus-year-old striker for your merry-go-round of number nines. Uh, in this week's show, we're going to talk about Toronto FC's nightmare in Philly. Yes, we're going to make you relive that one more time. Uh, recap the two trades that happened at the transfer deadline this week and we will get to this week's burning question presented by next door lots to dig into so let's get straight into it with my co-host michael Singh. no jeffrey p nesker as you can see on the screen he's ditched us for a concert um but i'm sure jeff's having a great time and he'll be back next week mr Singh, how are you how's your week been i know you've been busy between uh tfc coverage watching the leafs um how's your, how's your sports how's your sports uh week you been? see I like got, you've been a busy man i don't know if you guys can see it i got it on oh, today here we go shout out the buds yeah he's got the what? passion you have the passion i i, I have the passion i will <laughs> tell you that much no shout out the maple leafs it's been a it's been a fun week um from that perspective obviously tfc not so great uh today watching arsenal manchester city one of the biggest games in the season this this year um so you know it's been a, it's been a good sports week but mike man you sound you sound a little tired man you it's sound been, a little tired it's been a long long week a lot of stuff happening um as well you know i also work for the toronto blue jays as a as my you know actual job um and it's been it's been good though i mean look they've they've taken a lot of series you took two out of three from the yankees on the weekend and they just swept the white Sox today um so it's been a good was that the game last night yeah yeah i was i was there too i i could not i knew you were there and i couldn't come and see you because i was like i was just running around the building doing a whole bunch of different stuff but i knew you were there wow yeah i know i know i can't saw i was there i saw you were there but you know i gotta i gotta go and handle the sweet the sweet holders you know gotta make Um, so anyway, yeah, so it's been a, it's been also a good sports week, um, for myself as well. Obviously, uh, we're here to talk about TFC and that did not go as well. Um, but I did, uh, make up for a little bit, uh, with some Danny Jansen, uh, double Homer baseball games. So that was mm-hmm. been good. It has been good. Um, before we get into the talk, I know we've been going again on this food odyssey and I know Jeff's not here to have his two cents on this. Um, but one of the things that I'm really, I didn't realize was such a big thing in sports food was the loony dog nights at Jay's games. Like I didn't re like, I knew it was a deal. I didn't realize people lived for loony dog nights, um, at, at, at sporting events. Like not just the, the Jays do this, right? Like other sport, um, teams do this. There's teams at MLS that mm-hmm. do this as well. Um, but yeah, I just, I I was overwhelmed by the amount of people who, you know, even people like in very expensive seats are literally trying to cave someone's head and try to get a loony dog. It was crazy last night. How did, how did, how did you take in loony dog night? Cause that was your, that was your game. Yeah. I don't do loony dog night. So I go to a, like for disclosure, I go to a lot of Jay's games. Um, I don't, I, I don't do loony dog nights anymore. I did it like the first time. Um, but you know, hidden gem, hidden secret. I don't know if the Rogers Center wants me to reveal this, but you can bring in your own food into the Rogers Center. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's a ways... pretty widely known thing. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. Like, I bring a lot of people oh, to really? games, and they're like, "Wait, what? You can you can bring in your own food?" Um, yeah, the Rogers Center lets you lets you do that. So you know, you have the ability to go beyond just the the concessions there. But you know, for me, what when I first did it you have to do at least two hot dogs. Like, there's no way you're going in the stand. You're just getting one hot dog. I like the concept of it, too. Last night, the Jays game, I think they crushed you a, a new record. Over 50,000 hot dogs, I think, eaten. So I don't know, like, profit-wise, is that a good margin that you're getting? Like, how expensive are hot dogs to make and everything else that goes into it? Maybe it is, but 
definitely a, it's become a festivity. They launched it last year was the first year that they did that. And it's, it's caught on and I, I'm happy that they're doing it. Do you remember when the Jays used to do like, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to do Toonie Tuesday. Oh yeah. It wasn't, I very much remember Toonie Tuesdays. I went to those games. Yeah. It wasn't for hot dogs, right? It was for cheap seats. Yeah, it was for cheap seats. And then you got cheaper beer. Well, not cheaper, but you got cheap beers at the same time. I was in university. So I'm aging myself a little bit at the time. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, man. That was awesome. It was the best. You sat on the 200s. Um, or the 500s uh, and you just got went there for two bucks and you just crushed beers all night it was great yeah and attendance isn't an issue for the jays this year so we're not going to be seeing that back no. anytime soon i'm guessing no, but what a time it was a, a time. time it was a time but uh yeah just uh for those out there our food odyssey journey has now taken us to the realm of stadium hot dogs so we seem like we're degrading every week um i live for seven dollar pizza at beam well yeah you know uh inflation man inflation you know um at least that's what mlse will tell you it's inflation uh, um, richard saying nine dollar pizza no but the no, jay's, jay's game. game right they're just a loony dog right like have you, you know, seen that I, twitter account that's going around that like obviously i think you've seen it where it random foods at random stadiums yes. all over the Food's world grand. fruit yeah footy scram. Food's grand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly and i've seen some bemo field items pop up on there i'm sure the poutine hot dog that the jays just released has uh, been on there been, already. i think it's been up yeah yeah i think it's been up yeah so what i don't know i want to hear from like people in the chat like what's the weirdest or most memorable i guess item that you've food item that you've purchased at any sporting event it doesn't have to be tfc any sporting event that you can recall, I'd love to hear some some shows. I can't think of anything too crazy off the top of my head, but maybe viewers can as as the show goes on. Yeah, for sure. If you're also listening to us on the podcast version, you can at uh, mention us on Twitter at uh, Toronto Till I Die and let us know what is the weirdest thing, uh, food item that you've purchased at a sporting event. Um, for sure. Mine was a overly expensive poutine, but I will not get into that. Um, all right, let's <laughs> dig into it, Mike. Um, it, unfortunately, we do have to talk about it a little bit. Um, it's been dissected in, in a couple of ways. Uh, no, no, unfortunately, that might actually be a better topic than what we have to talk about, which is <laughs> uh, Philadelphia Union 4, TFC 2, um, a scoreline that might uh, betray the performance um, that we saw on Saturday night. Um, haven't had a chance to talk to you actually about it um, since then. Mm -hmm. So wanted to just get your overall impressions and thoughts on the match before we start getting into some of the particulars. Uh, man, the only takeaway I have from that game is just how much I hated Lorenzo Insigne celebrating. No, I'm kidding. Joking, uh, for okay, <laughs> right. You you about to start <laughs> off. Uh, you about to start off a war here, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, yeah no obviously their worst performance of the season right it was yeah like you could kind of see it coming um just from the way that they started that game you know part of me was hoping okay you know the weather's obviously not great maybe it'll take some time for them to really find their legs and get into this game but some unfortunate bounces happened and when you get behind against a team like philadelphia who who smells blood like they they absolutely pounce and i also want to i do need to acknowledge i know this sounds a little bit homer when i say it but i do need to acknowledge that like philadelphia looked like they were starting to click yeah and i spoke to jim Curtin after the game and he was saying how it was their best performance of the season. And like, it was the closest thing that they've looked to full strength Philadelphia. And obviously having Kai Wagner back makes uh, just a huge difference for this squad. Curtin said after, like, if we're going to be a good team and, and win stuff, we need Kai Wagner back in the squad. And his, uh, his presence was definitely felt in that matchup. Andre Blake obviously got back in too. He's been in for a couple games now, but just having a, that whole group except for Basio back together. Um, they looked like the Philadelphia that many, including us here, thought was clear of MLS. Like they were supposed to come in and be the best team in MLS. And yeah. I think that was uh that was quite the case. So maybe some unfortunate timing for TFC just based on the fact that they faced a team in Philadelphia that looked like they were clicking ahead of a really important tie against LAFC. Um, League, yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. And they have a bye week the next week, so it's not like they had to rest any players. They went full guns blazing in mm. really what was probably their most important matchup of the season, considering what was to come next to really ensure they rounded into form. So there was that. But also just the fact that, yeah, clearly TFC were not ready uh, for this one. They never really found their footing. And next thing you know, you look at the score and they're trailing 3 nothing. Uh, but yeah, you look at individual parts of the game, they could definitely have sharpened up. Uh, specifically, I think, I mean, it's not not breaking news. It's their back line was, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but I was, I was just wondering, because you, you had mentioned um, the fact that, look, this team did not start well, uh, and they just didn't look like they were ready and up for it mm-hmm. from the start of the whistle. And one of the sort of questions and debates that's been out there is that, who is that on, right? Because I think there's some questions about, you know, is that on Bob Bradley as a coach and the coaching staff? Is that on the players who step out on the pitch and have to execute the game plan? Like, who is that on? Because I, and it's a, it's a recurring theme, right? We keep talking about it almost every week, whether we think they played somewhat well or played terribly, their starts to games have been poor in almost every single game this season, right? And it's just the, who is that on? Because this is no longer a, hey, this is like a one-off kind of thing that may happen once in a while. It's starting to become a bit of a trend, no? Uh, I've seen this team have way worse starts of the year to, to matches than this season. I actually don't think their starts have been that terrible. And, you know, I'm going to actually, if you give me a second here, I'm going to pull up some stats and just see how many bad starts they've had this year when in terms of conceding goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even as they, you know, maybe they're not as conceding as many goals in the first, call it 15 to 20 minutes of matches. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like the team takes time to round into the game, right? It takes that's fair. And, and 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 that's and that's I guess maybe somewhat normal. Um, for teams, but it does feel like it takes TFC just a little bit longer, or they feel like they need to be not saying that they need to be, but it's almost like they need to be under a lot of pressure to then finally get their foot on the ball and start playing football. And in in this game, obviously, look, you're three nil down in 30 minutes, maybe not even 30 minutes. Um, and, and I again, that's just sort of this thing that's coming up where it feels like TFC are just slow to get going, right? Slow to get into games and slow to be able to impose the way they want to play. And in a lot of ways, I don't know if they've had really a ton of games where they've really imposed their will on a game. Like they've had more possession in games, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean you're imposing yourself on a team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And just, I I agree with you. Like from the eye test, it definitely feels like they take a little bit of time, uh, for most of their games this year to really to find their stride. But just from like a stats perspective, like they've scored first in four out of their nine matches. I've only conceded first in three out of their nine matches. So they score more times first than they concede first. So at least at that perspective, it's a positive. When you look at when they concede goals, um, they've conceded two of their, what, 12 goals against, I believe it is, just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I think you're 13 right. goals against. Yeah. 13 goals against. They've conceded two of those in the first 15 minutes of games mm-hmm. and three of those at the start of the second half. So, yeah, half, almost, no, not even half of their goals, maybe just just over a third of their goals that come against them come from, like, the first 15 minutes of kickoff. So, stats-wise, that's fine. Like they're, they're finding ways. Like I think it was two seasons ago where it literally felt like there was a breakaway every yes. In in the first five minutes of every single match. Like yes. it seemed like that was just inevitable that a team would have a really good scoring opportunity within the first five minutes. I, I think TFC are doing a much better job of not giving up those types of chances. Now finding their footing in a match, connecting passes, being sharper in games, yeah, it's, it's been taking them a, a little bit of time. Now, who is that on? Is it just, can we chalk that up to it's still relatively early in the season? Can we chalk that up to them trying to mix in a few different bodies, some injuries? Can we chalk that up to, you know, does how much, I think inevitably, like the scapegoat is always going to be the manager. If, yeah. Any sport that you play, in, if your team's not starting quickly, the blame falls on the manager and that's just part of the role. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe there are questions that need to be asked. Like, is that message really getting through? Are you, are you doing, 
you know, you might be saying the right things, but is it really getting Resonating. through to your team? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's tough to say without being in that dressing room exactly who that falls on. But I think you can also say, like, I don't think it's a hot take or I'm breaking any news by saying everyone shoulders some of that blame. I don't think that's a controversial take no, at all. It's probably a no, safe take, not. right? I, I'm pretty sure that you can go up and down that lineup on Saturday and just say everybody pretty much had, you know, a, a bad game, some more than others, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, the second half gets a little bit better, um, a little bit, like marginally better, right? Like, okay, you get the two goals. You know, Lorenzo and City scores a really nice goal. Um, the celebrations aside, um, you know, I, you know, it, 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 it's good to see him get on the scoreboard. It's good to see that at least in the second half, he was starting to have a little bit more influence on the game. I'm not, you know, it, some people were debating whether it was a false nine that they started with or whether it was Insigne and Bernadeschi up top as a kind of like a 4-4-2 um, formation. That clearly did not work um, in, in that game. And I wonder, again, if that speaks to the fact that, you know, and we'll get to it later with with the trades that have just happened this week. If Bob Bradley really is looking at his striking core and and saying, I don't know if I trust any of these guys right now with significant. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it says that. And yeah. why should he? Who has given him a reason to say, you know what, you're the guy that's going to be up top. Like the closest guy I think that has done that is DeAndre Kerr. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what's been happening to him the last couple of games, but he has he's lost. He hasn't had minutes the last two matches uh, which i thought is pretty surprised i thought he had pretty decent start to the yeah, season yeah i thought so too i thought he was decent i not, not world shattering and not necessarily going but to like their best option though well their most effective option i would say and then i mean I, I i guess there's a point where you can kind of say that doesn't say much in terms of yeah. most effective option but i think he was the one that at least was giving some options to run in behind to you know, occupy center backs and make them have to think about how they step because he had that pace to get behind and he was willing to run in behind. Mm-hmm. Of course, some of his runs in behind weren't great or not timed well, or, you know, he just wasn't making the right types of runs to be found. Um, but, you know, you have that verticality, you have that option. You don't have that as much with with Io, uh, with Jordan Perusa to a certain extent. They'll work hard for sure. Um, yeah. But that that same dynamism isn't quite there with those two as it was with DeAndre. Yeah, exactly. But obviously, even DeAndre lost some of yeah. Bob Bradley's confidence there at the number nine position. And like he's trying everything at this point to get some value out of that position. He's trying, you know, on on uh, Saturday, last Saturday, he tried putting his best eleven players that, that were available at least out on the pitch, and just said, "Okay, let's let's see what's going to happen here. Maybe we can again get some more value out of that position." It's tough to. I, I don't want to write that that type of play style off completely, because um, again, just based on the way that they they came out, I think it was even less tactically than it was like mentally, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like. I, I just I think TFC are capable of playing a lot better than that. I don't think it came down to just sheer tactics in that one. And maybe maybe part of it came down to, you know, you can have 11 really good players on the field, but it's not always going to click. So maybe it came down to against a team like Philadelphia where you were going to have to inevitably play out of the back because that, mm-hmm. that's the way they want you to play, right? They yeah absolutely thrive on allowing teams to try and play out of the back and just forcing turnovers and that's what mm-hmm. we saw play out so having a guy like michael bradley out there we saw the difference there we yes. i know like, like he's but he's he takes a lot of criticism but if there's one part of his game that he really still excels in it's being an outlet at the back for yes. his back line and being a safe option and we saw on uh, last saturday that there weren't too many safe options on the pitch for TFC um, that were on their game, if that makes sense. No, that 100% makes sense. And I think, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I kind of gave Jonathan Osorio some stick online just in terms of his play. Not necessarily. I know he ended up, I think, being in, in the team of the match week. Team of the week, yeah. Yeah, because of the the two assists. 
but I was a little bit more pointing out from some of that defensive effort um, where I, and look, that wasn't just on him, right? There's a lot of guys who drop the ball defensively and that sort of exposes you. Um, but I thought he didn't have the best defensive side of his game um, uh, on, on Saturday. And, and look, I, Richard Larea gets a goal. I didn't think he had the best defensive display um, on the weekend. No one did. No one did. Right. And like, and, and look, you can also say even the first two goals for Philly, the first one's like the freakiest of freakiest of goals, right? Like, sure, you, but they do get a clear cut chance in the box. No, they do, that. they do, right? And that, and that's what I was about to come to, right? Yes, it's freaky. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sigurd Rosted, what are you kind of doing? But at the same time, what is Lucas Benner going to do? He's just there. Um, yeah. But it comes from the fact that they turned the ball over and had themselves in in no real defensive shape to really deal with the issue. Um, and that's where that that opportunity comes from, right? And, the, and then the second goal, same thing, right? <laughs> Turnover leads to that opportunity. And then Sean Johnson, right? Like, I know Sean Johnson was looking for a foul. It wasn't a foul, right? At that mm-hmm. point, just put it out, right? Just put it out. I, I get the, the motion of trying to get the ball and trying to get, and it looked like he wanted to control that to release it quickly and try to release Lorenzo uh, specifically into space. But if you got a guy right on you, just put it out, right? Put it out for a corner, you know, let your team defend it and let them do their job. Yeah, he knows that. Like, we we, we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, we don't. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, he is so such a good polished goalkeeper. Um, he's been close to TFC's MVP so far this season, right? That's true. So, like, it's just one of those moments where you talk up and you probably say you're not going to see very many more of those uh, throughout the rest of the season but yeah not a great play and I think that that was a bit of a if the first goal wasn't then that one was definitely a bit of a back backbreaker and then yeah. obviously the third goal with uh third goal was when Sigurd Rosa had stepped up on I think it was Carranza yes and then it was just the one ball that burns and Ooh, burns Ooh, and they're uh, running they're running in behind right so those breakaways yes, you talked yeah. about earlier from the 2021 season that kind of almost came back a little bit Mm-hmm. um on saturday not to say again that's a trend or that's happening all the time but a little bit of that kind of creeped back into to tfc it been it came it probably gave fans a little bit of uh PST, ptsd PS, yeah ptsd a little flashback what were you to say ps yeah ps i was PS- thinking ps5s i have ps5s <laughs> mine lately hey shout out ps5s man great hey man great, i'm trying to system. get the, the new jedi fallen order you know like i'm trying to trying to get jedi survivor on the new uh ps5 so Ooh, next uh next food corner i want to do video game corner okay fair enough it's a classic or new school i want to know video games i feel like jeff right. plays some video games too All i right. want to hear it okay we'll um, bring it we'll bring it yeah yeah um <laughs> but yeah let's uh let's write that first half off completely and i again TFC, you look back at their history at Subaru Park, last four matches, they had, they're winless, and they've been outscored 16-2 to two in their yeah. last four matches at Subaru Park. It is not a great place for them to go visit at this point right now, and hopefully, I don't know if they have another trip there this season, hopefully not, but you, you hope that they can kind of sort of exercise those demons sooner rather than later before it becomes an even bigger storyline but teams out of for whatever reason you can't really explain it they, they have those places where um they just don't do well they just do your they just plays. don't do well but it's funny because like if you look at tfc's history as a whole mm-hmm. they actually have a winning record against philadelphia yes they're one of the only teams in mls where tfc have more wins than losses against well, well here's the thing and and here's something that i wanted to talk to about or talk about in terms of the context of these two clubs right specifically because if we go back even to 2020, right? Like these two teams were neck and neck for the supporter shield in, you know, whether you want to count that season or not, it, it is what it is. Right. And, and they were a neck and neck for that supporter shield up until TFC went as basically the Subaru park and got dusted like you know, four or five now. you right. Um, I think that was Jaquil and, um, uh, Ralph Parisos debuts. Um, that's how bad the score was. Oh, they both they, came, on. they came on. Yeah. 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 yeah they came Sergio on Santos tore them apart tore them apart yeah and since then you have seen sort of this shift of these two clubs that were fairly equal in the way that they were in the eastern conference where one has kind of plummeted down even though the money spent is still the same or or even grown 
and the other has continued to rise and rise and continue to develop and, and and become one of the like you said favorites to probably win MLS Cup or at least get back to the final this year what do you attribute that to because you know what what is that you know that's I don't say secret sauce but that's the kind of the best term I can kind of come up with yeah. right now that kind of explains you know the dichotomy between these two clubs because again you know, TFC, I think they only lost the Supporters' Shield by, what, four points that season, maybe? Um, yep. Yeah, they are right, right down to the wire. It's it got right to the point where yeah. we were talking about it. You remember Greg Vanny's quote about lifting a manhole cover? Yeah. Because there was the Supporters' Shield was saying they're not going to hand out, the committee was saying they weren't going to hand out a shield, shield or whatever yeah. it was. Um, yeah, no, it got to the point where TFC thought they were pretty dang close. And they were. They and should they not have they bought were in that it. title. Yeah. But, but um that's a while ago um what's been the difference like from the outside looking in you, you it's funny because these two teams are polar opposite in their spending as well yes philadelphia doesn't spend a lot of money they actually Nowhere sell near. on yeah. a lot of players um and you've seen a lot of players from their club leave and yet they still find ways to to replace to replace those players pretty seamlessly um and when you when you talk about that the fact that they're able to plug in different players um and still have success i you have to give a lot of credit to jim curtin and the system that he's been able to implement and culture culture is a bit of a buzzword but when i say culture i mean an environment where a everyone's motivated and working towards the same goal and you know, it seems like everyone on that team is so committed to buying into what Jim Curtin is selling there, which demands a lot of work, yet everyone still sees that that end product. And also just system when it comes to, okay, I can take X defender out, Mark McKenzie, throwing a name out there, and I can plug in, you know, Elliot there at the back. And it's seamless, right? So... There's that part of it. Now, when you look at Philadelphia this year compared to where it was last year, it's continuity too, continuity, right? They don't, sure, they they sell some pretty key pieces. Obviously, Brendan Aronson, Pax and Aronson, a um, couple others. But you look at some of the guys that have that are still there, it's continuity. So, yeah, it's... You know, you'd like to think that TFC would have been able to keep up with Philadelphia, but when you look at it, at just from where TFC were at the end of 2020, from a roster standpoint too, Philadelphia is a lot younger, right? Mm -hmm. And they had players that were still growing, whereas TFC had players that were on the ends of their career and probably had some bad contracts in there too, right? So yeah. from a roster building standpoint, there's that too. Yeah, and 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 you you mentioned Jim Curtin, and I think I would shout out Ernst Tanner um, from a mm -hmm. GM slash sporting director role for the union, right? Like finding players from Europe, finding players from South America. That, Daniel Gazdag, right? Well, even you talk about losing Mark McKenzie, they plugged him with Jacob Glesnes. Now Jacob Glesnes is one of the best center backs in the league, right? Yeah. So, right, and and you find him from Europe, knowing your contacts and being able to scout players, not just you know, because they played in a big league, but because they fit the profile of what you're looking to do, not just now, but in the future. And I do feel that some of that is missing at TFC and has been missing for quite some time. Um, and, you know, we'll get into it. And we might as well just sort of roll into it now and, and talk a little bit about the trades this week and sort of this, this transfer deadline and what um, the club was able to do, bringing in CJ Sapong, for Lucas McNaughton um, for 125 or sorry, for Lucas McNaughton, 125,000 in GAM, a future, uh, another future 75,000 with performances, performance bonuses, I believe, and uh, appearance uh, bonuses. And please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's Ame Makbia. Am I pronouncing that correct? I think so. Yeah, close yeah. enough for what um, I know. For 100,000 in GAM plus 100 future GAM again for performances, things like that. Um, it's another 30 plus year old striker 
coming in. Um, now there is five on the roster. Um, if you're in, and, and I don't even think we're talking about Hugo, right? Cause he's now at TFC too. So, the, you know, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of forwards for one position that essentially, like I said, at the beginning of the show, a bit of a merry-go-round and that's the kind of stuff that teams that are winning in this league aren't doing right. They're not sort of mm-hmm. having this revolving door of who striker of the week. Like who's going to, you know, you all get an opportunity and you're all getting a tryout here. Like we're literally in striker trials with TFC right now. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to find a solution. Right. And TFC's striker position since the playoffs of 2019 is what I'll say. Cause Josie had a really good 2019 season yeah, and got then hurt. got injured down the stretch. Yeah. Um, and then TFC, obviously Vanny had to go play the false nine with Alejandro Pozuelo. They thought they had a solution in Io. Io unfortunately gets injured, hasn't been able to be the, be the same player that he was or that he showed the potential of being. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought they had a player in Jesus Jimenez. Something happened halfway down the halfway through the season where he just wasn't the same player. Um, other guys who have come through: Achara, Patrick Mullins. They haven't found a number nine, and in Major League Soccer, I don't. You can't win without a really good number nine. I I don't know if there's another team out there that's that's winning consistently if you don't have a guy that's consistently putting the ball in the back of the net. So funny enough, the only one I can think of is kind of Nashville, right? Because Honey Mukhtar isn't really a nine, right? Fair, but I they had a pretty good nine beside him in, in Sapong actually yeah, when yeah. and they were good and we're talking about the 2021 season I yes. think that was when Nashville was pretty good um last season they showed moments and they, they had a good run um didn't go very far in the playoffs though no but they they had and again that Honey Mukhtar had an MVP caliber season not even caliber, he had an MVP season yeah, yeah he was. um so yeah, you, you need number nine to be successful. The hope is, as we, we kind of move on to Sepong here, that he is gives you at least something from that number nine position. In Sepong, obviously, like you saw, I don't know if anyone saw Hani Mukhtar's social media posts, but he's essentially giving so much love to Sepong. Um and that's kind of the reflection that I get from talking to Nashville reporters and seeing some of the reactions as well from Nashville fans about Sapong is that, okay, when you look at the stats, the sheer numbers, they might not be the prettiest, but he is still a really effective player um, for Nashville and hopefully now for Toronto. You hope and this I've been I've said this probably over a dozen times like in this podcast and also on 442. What I would uh, love to see TFC go out and get is a striker that's just a pain in the butt, a striker that works his butt off. Because when you have Insignia and you have Bernadeschi, you're not paying those guys to go out and do defensive work. But yeah. yet when you have, you know, some slower strikers on the field that don't cover ground as well as some other players then they're inevitably going to be doing some of that defensive work, which you, in an ideal world, they're not doing as much of. Sapong does that. He does the quote-unquote, you know, dirty work um, that, you know, frees up room and frees up opportunity for guys like Lorenzo and guys like Federico Bernardeschi. So the hope is that, A, on the very least, he, he brings you that, which is not... Like hardworking, I'll works hard. Diamond is going to work hard. Perusa works hard, but it's a different type of working hard. And the analogy that I'll use um, when comparing him to a guy like Diamande, like when you mm-hmm. play FIFA, for example, and you have a player's overall, right? And let's say Diamande's overall is 70 and Sepong's is, let's say, 68. Sometimes when you're, you know, the the quote unquote manager of your FIFA team, you sometimes like to go with the player that's maybe not have the best overall, but 
gives you other things that that 70 player overall doesn't have. Maybe he's a quicker player. Like FIFA, everyone loves to play with pace. Maybe yeah. he's a quicker player, right? Sapong is like that. He's he's a type of player that may not overall be as good as a Diamande, but he gives you something different. And I think that's what TFC need. Where you know the strikers that they've brought in and they're trying are a bit slower, a bit bigger. Let's see what Sapong can do. If a guy who really moves and works hard. Let, let, Let's just see what happens, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think that was kind of my point in, re- in the reaction to the trade is like, look, he's not solving all your problems right now. That's not the point of this deal. Um, no. And I know a lot of people were pointing out the fact of why are you trading Lucas McNaughton, a 28-year-old defender who might arguably be maybe, you know, your your best backup option off the bench, though I still think it's Shane O'Neill. And I think he kind of proved, Shane O'Neill kind of proved that in the second half on Saturday. Um, but you know, CJ Sapong in this league for a really long time has been kind of what you said, right? That pain in the butt. He's burned TFC a ton of times. Like I, you know, people have short memories about how he has burned this club, um, playing for us. Right. And he, and he's always that threat. Now, is he bang bagging in a ton of goals all the time? No, not necessarily. But a way I kind of look at him is the way that a lot of fans and I'm casting minds back to ML Heskey when he was played and everybody was wondering like, why is this guy playing for Liverpool every week? And why is this guy getting called up to the national, the England national team all the time? It's because he did that dirty work, right? He did that work, carried that water so that, you know, the Steven Gerrards and the Frank Lampards could, you know, you know, swim, right? Like that, that was the point. And I think, CJ Sapong, I'm not saying he's Mel Heskey in any way, but the kind of same role I think he could occupy for this team. Now, of course, he's got to go out and do it, improve it, um, and and we'll see how that works. And can he connect with Bernadeschi and with Insigne? That is going to be the ultimate litmus test and whether or not this is, you know, ultimately successful. And I think we also have to temper what we're going to be calling successful out of this. Yeah, and yeah, another player I could see similar trades for, obviously not anywhere close to the same quality of player and not close to the same goal-scoring prowess, but it's it's a bit of Tati Castellanos in him mm. where you have, you're just that, shout out, by the way, shout out Tati Castellanos, four goals against Real Madrid. Yes. MLS Loney doing that, shout mm. out. Um, but just a pain in the butt to play against. And yeah, you, you hope that that's what Sapong brings at the very minimum. A couple of other things you want to hit on this, just... Also, an amazing person by all accounts. Yes. Absolutely beloved by his teammates, which I think is a really underrated aspect, Um, especially when you're a team like TFC who have, you know, they have one win in the last 15 games. It's good to bring in a guy who, you know, you you enjoy going to see at training and you enjoy having in the room, no matter kind of what the team is going through. Because, yeah, it does get mentally taxing at times when you are going through stretches like this. So, you know, good fresh energy in Sapong who quote unquote loves the game. Uh, you, you really welcome that addition. Uh, the other part of it is just, you know, from a sheer roster building perspective, I know a lot of people can't see the salary cap. Uh, so I don't fault anyone for, who doesn't fully understand it, but I think it's just important that we mention it. Uh, TFC don't have cap space, yeah. which is why when you look at the allocation money that was traded, it's not from this year. It actually starts next year. Um, so A, they don't have that. B, that Nashville agreed to eat a lot of Sapong's cap hit, which I think is a very important uh, part of this deal as well. So they bring him in on cheap. And C, what would TFC be able to trade for Sapong? Like the only play, like you're not, I'm so, I'm sorry, but you're not getting anything right now for Io Akinola. No, the value is just simply right? not there. The only players that you really could have traded for any sort of value was McNaughton and maybe maybe DeAndre Kerr. Yeah, yeah. Again, Uh, you wouldn't trade Jaquiel, but you know what I mean. Like if you would put Jaquiel on the market, you get something for him. Yeah, correct. But you'd be selling low at this point right now for Jack, right? Um, So it came down to the fact that they had to bite a bullet a little bit. TFC didn't want to trade McNaughton, but they address a need in a striker. You get your striker and they bring in Mabika who cap wise, again, better fit than McNaughton on the cap. 
uh, what is he, four years younger than McNaughton as yeah. well. So you get a guy to be, you know, your fourth center back who has potential to grow in this league. He has some really good starting points, especially, of course, the obvious one that stands out is just how tall he is at six yeah. foot six. Yeah. Um, so from those perspectives, like it all sort of makes sense for TFC. Now, the concern is, does Sapong end up being a guy that doesn't move the needle for this team at striker? And if so, then your other concern is for McDonald. What happens if McDonald turns into that national team level player that we, you know, hope that he can translate and turn into? It's the risk of every trade that you make, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's un, it's a still a little bit more uncommon in in professional soccer, but you know we talked off the top of the show. You're talking about the Leafs. I'm talking about the Jays. This happens a lot in in baseball where everybody, no one wants to trade the hot prospect. Uh, until you get a Dalton Varsho and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, this is a good idea. We're a better team because we did this, right? Um, so I from still that, don't want them to train Moreno. But no, no, but no, and I didn't either. But I love hey, Gabby you know, Moreno. You couldn't keep, you couldn't keep <laughs> three starting catchers, really. No, no. Um, but, um, right, like, I get it, right? And I, I, I agree. Like, when I saw the trade, I'm like, oh, CJ Sapong, sweet, solid player, all right? Solid MLS vet. Oh, we're giving Lucas McNaughton away. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but at the same time, Look, you to get to get quality, you got to give away something of quality to get it back. Like you exactly. not gonna, and, and but again, it's, like not even, said, it's not even it's not even quality. Yeah. No, it's it's not even like quality per se. It's something. Yeah. Right. It could be quality, right? But it's just something to address a clear need that we spent hours and hours talking about on this show for the last couple of months. Right. It's, it's not a thing we need. We've, we've, we've not fixed the center back. We we have depth now at center back, right. And you got another center back in return anyway, in another deal. So depth at center back is not the issue for Toronto FC right now. It is finding somebody who can play the number nine position and look, CJ Sapom can add some goals. Awesome. If he does what you've mentioned, right, occupy center backs, drag them out of position, make them work, make them not think, ah, I can leave this guy alone and I'll just double burn it you when he cuts in on his right foot, right? Like, or on his left foot, excuse me, right? Like that, that, that has a value and that could open up a lot of different things, not just for the wingers, but the typical Jonathan Osorio late run into the box, right? You, it, it can open up so much more for the team if this mm-hmm. is so, and we're saying if, Right, because it, we we I mean, he hasn't played for the team yet. Um, I'm assuming he might now be in training. But um, you, you know, it, if if it works out, you know, this is a good stopgap solution until you can find your, you know, your Chicho Arango or your, you know, your next big number nine who's going to score you a lot of goals. That's the thing, right? It it probably isn't going to be this summer unless again you find ways to create more cap space and create more currency um that you're probably not going to get your big number nine this summer yeah but next season there's going to be a new striker at tfc there's going to be a, a big time striker in my opinion at tfc uh this is a guy that could hopefully improve this team because they're not that far away when you look at some of the margins yeah. of their games, they're not that far away from, okay, maybe not a clear-cut MLS Cup contender, but a solid playoff team. They're really not that far away. If they're closer to their first eight games this season, then, of course, that game against yeah, Philadelphia. I, yeah, and I think we, we we highlighted it in the show notes, right? Like, this is the first time, really, and, and granted, I know some people have talked about the first Atlanta game on the road, but this is really the first time TFC were clearly just not in it, right? This is the first time they were really kind of blown away um, exactly. and, and and not really, you know, you knew within 30 minutes, like, oh, well, okay, this is not going to be it tonight. Yes, Atlanta dominated possession at the in the away game um, and created a lot of chances, but you never felt that Atlanta was necessarily going to truck, you know, three or four goals past Sean Johnson and this thing was going to get blown. You, it was going to be tight and they were going to have a lot of the ball. We kind of all knew that going into that game, but mm-hmm. you never felt like TFC were really out of that game. 
the Philly on Saturday was the first time within the first kind of 15, 16 minutes. You're like, mm, TFC are out of this game. It almost would have been better if TFC could have been able to bunker up and mm-hmm. sit back and, and do that. But Phil, that's not the way Philadelphia plays. They don't, they don't want possession. They want to give you possession and then force turnovers and capitalize off those turnovers. So I think that's what we saw play out, but yes, shifting things back to, to just Lucas McNaughton really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, you know, fantastic person right lucas is first and foremost one of the the best interviews on tfc uh great guy by all accounts so from a personal standpoint canadian as well you know a cpl story a nice story so from a personal standpoint yeah it sucks to lose him but i think objectively speaking like you're not you're not giving away that much it's not like a huge risk TFC are taking. Like McNaughton is 28 years old. Um, can he still improve? Absolutely. I mean, this guy's still, <laughs> it's his second full MLS season. Right? I could see him growing a lot, um, but you're not, you're not giving away a ton. So it does, it's a trade that a, well, Nashville needed center back depth and TFC needed striker depth. So I think it's a trade that makes sense for both teams. Yeah, it probably ends up being a win-win. Now, of course, again, as a, you out there that are listening, myself, we're going to have to evaluate what win-win really means to you um, in terms of the, you know, what ends up happening going in the future. But, you know, we do wish Lucas McNaughton well. I met him while, you know, he was playing in the CPL uh, with Pacific. And like you said, lovely guy. Um, and, and you know, he. I think he'll do well under Gary Smith. I think that kind of the way that Gary Smith plays in Nashville will suit him really well, like it suited Jacob Schaffelberg in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, and he'll get minutes um, because, like you said, they, one of their center backs went down with a season-ending injury. Um, so he's going to get minutes in Nashville. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, TFC taking on NYCFC this weekend, uh, not – uh, an easy one. NYCFC are kind of back and back on a roll right now. I know we're not previewing yeah. that game right now, but um, we can definitely. dive into it a little. Yeah, we, I mean, I mean, let's really quickly before we get into the burning question. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. in terms of NYCFC, right? Like they they've they've kind of rebounded a little bit. I think you know after winning MLS Cup um, and losing Ronnie Diala, I think there was this period of time and especially just this season this offseason losing so many players from the championship team i think there's this feeling that ooh, i don't know about this team i think and i had the same feeling as well definitely it sounds like nick crushing has found um you know a formula that really works and and santi rodriguez is just absolutely lighting it up um for nycfc right now yeah they're unbeaten in four matches uh so they're good stretch of games here uh like you said last season it was just like a roller coaster for them very very up and down they managed to find a bit of form in the playoffs but you can also attribute that to just some pretty heroic performance for john johnson exactly um specifically that game against montreal which is Mm -hmm. a joy to watch um (laughs) this year yeah they started off really slowly and then now they're they've rounded into form i will say their last three matches they've played at home so I wonder if that does factor into just how much their form has improved. And, you know, you mentioned they found a way to play under Nick Cushing in, in a sense, sure. But they've also just recently, going back to the last game against Dallas, they went to a false nine, uh, which mm-hmm. I think was the first time they did that under Nick Cushing. And Santiago Rodriguez, as you mentioned, he played that number nine role. Um, it was just a way kind of similar to what TFC did, where Nick Cushing just wanted to get his best players out on the pitch. And it worked for them. It worked for them against Dallas. Obviously, it didn't work for TFC for whatever reason, but it worked yeah. for. But Dallas played very differently. They they're not pressuring the same way as, it, as Philly does. Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. Um, so, what do we expect this weekend against TFC? Well, it's going to be whatever reason. TFC, New York City FC always have really good games. The last time these two teams played, I believe was the 5-4 loss TFC had. On the road. At, yeah, on the road, right? Where they went up 2 nothing thanks to Jesus Jimenez and then New York stormed back to score five straight goals in that game. And I remember DeAndre Curry got ahead. I think Michael Bradley. Bradley got one scored. at the death, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's been a while, essentially, is what I want to say, since these teams, teams have matched up. Um, I think, yeah, someone said in the chat already, I believe, that 
Yeah, Grace saying that New York City FC's record at BMO Field isn't very good either. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. So, you know, you like that prospect of things, but the reality is it's going to be a New York City FC side that's in form heading into a BMO field against the Toronto FC team that they really need a victory, especially at home. It's a tough portion of their schedule. It doesn't get any easier. They have New England coming up after that. Then you have a Canadian championship game against Montreal. Then you have an away trip to Montreal who finally got a victory this season. Yeah. And then, and then I believe after that it would be Red Bulls yeah, um, who, again, slower start, really slow start to the year. So, but they're I think still Red next, Bull. Yeah. Right? Like in a lot of way. Man, they play like Philadelphia. So yeah. <laughs> that's not a bit of a good recipe for TFC, uh, this version of TFC. So yeah, this, this game against NYCFC, while, you know, everything that we've talked about that goes in TFC's favor, it, it makes it that much more important that they do capitalize on the opportunity that's in front of them because it's not going to get easier uh, anytime really soon. Yeah, and and I guess, you know, I, I tweeted this out um, after the, the game on Saturday just saying, you know, I think a lot of fans need to see a reaction from the team in these next two matches, right? I, I think for not even for those who might be on the Bradley out train, there's a lot of people now firmly can, there's, there's people shoveling coal into the steam engine and <laughs> taking this train on a ride. But um, there are, there are people who, who kind of need, I, I think need to see a reaction from this team. Again, uh, it, it's weird to say that a draw might be a good result, but in a sense that you just need to see this team kind of, you know, show, okay, that was a blip. It was a bad night. We all had bad nights. This is who we really are. And this is who we are still striving to be. Um, to, to, again, I think confidence in the fan base is incredibly important right now. And I don't, it's not high. It, you know, it's not really high. At one win in their last 15 games yeah. dating back to last season. Mm-hmm. There's, it can't be very high uh, when you look at the numbers from that perspective. And I think even for the players, it's gone back to the point we talk about that win against Miami. Why it was so good for the players to kind of feel what it, the taste of victory has been like. It's been a while since that game against yeah. Miami, right? And it's way easier, I'm guessing, that to go through a week of training coming off the back of a victory than it is to go through another week where you, you draw again or you, or you lose. So for them to go out and, and, and get a victory is a lot more important than just three points on the stand on the standings. I think from a mentality perspective, from as you illustrated, both the fan base and the players, I think is, is really important, but it sucks that this stretch of games is coming up against, you know, it, it does suck that it's coming up against a team of the New York city FC who are rounding into form. And then after that, new England, like it's right. not a great time to face these teams. It's probably a really bad time to face these teams. Yeah, and it's it's a really it's really bad time to have this run of form when you're facing these teams in this next little week, and then once you do your trip to you know you do your Canadian Championship game against Montreal, the the home and away uh, the Wednesday or I guess it'd be Wednesday, yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then Saturday, you know now you're going into this stretch of games where you're almost playing Wednesday Saturday every week for a month. Yeah. Right, really like it, it, it's going to get really busy, and this is where you got to see a reaction from the team because you need to start picking up points now before you really get into the stretch where you know you're going to be playing a lot, and there's going to have to be some squad rotation just to keep legs fresh um, during this run to essentially the Gold Cup. Yeah, like Victor Vasquez, Diamande, Christian Gutierrez, who shout out is is back in training deandre kurz the shane o'neill's guys like that you're you're gonna need to see more minutes and more production out of um because they'll get more opportunity just over these stretch of games so tfc's depth which was obviously a concern that we've talked about a lot heading into the start of the season now's the time this stretch of games where it's it really is gonna be tested but if they can get into form everything's flowing everything's grooving the hope is that they can turn it into a really positive month of May. All right. All right. Um, let's wrap it up with the burning question, Mike, uh, presented by next door. Uh, we got the fancy uh, little uh, hit uh, going into this. So let's cue that up and let's get into this week's burning question. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, this week's burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It is used by one in five households in the GTA, so you've got to get on it. The Nextdoor app is an awesome way to get things done in your neighborhood. As we mentioned last week and continuing to do so, um, there is a group on Nextdoor called the Toronto FC Fan Group. Uh, we'll be posting the burning question of the week there a day before we post it on our official Twitter account. So if you want to get on get in on that a little bit early and give us your takes, definitely join that group. Um, and you can do that by downloading the Nextdoor app in the App Store or get it at nextdoor.ca. Okay, so this week's burning question was, does the the acquisition of CJ Sapong make you more or less confident about the striker position at TFC? And uh, the first comment I'll read out here is from the uh, Toronto FC group on Nextdoor um, from Christopher D just saying, Going on the positive with this one, and we'll say that a change of scenery could do wonders for him, being CJ Sapong, uh, and give him a boost in his new home. Uh, he's not scored in a while, it's uh, but this is a stopgap, um, but one we need at striker until we see what Diamande is all about. Cautiously optimistic, more fascinated to see what a boost in a new home could give uh, CJ Sapong. So a little bit of what we were talking about, uh, Mike, in terms of you know, CJ and it, maybe it is right. A new, a new fresh start, a new club, a new manager um, and new teammates might give him a bit of a spark to, to maybe score some goals. Yeah. Well, look, Nashville gave him that, what, $550,000 a year contract for a reason, right? He earned that contract and that's, I agree with Chris. That's the hope. Like, I don't think Diamande was brought here to be TFC starting number nine. I think the hope was either Jesus Jimenez or Iowa Canola would step up and kind of claim that position just based on where TFC were and based on the interest in those guys. Um, so I think the hope was really that one of those guys would be able to step up or they would be able to swing another move for a striker. Uh, that didn't happen. I think Diamante was actually brought in here to be more of a, a secondary option, um, but he's been thrust into the starting number nine, quote unquote, starting number nine role in the you know in their team sheet he obviously hasn't really fulfilled that because he's been injured this year but that's just what he's been kind of thrown into um so maybe sapong ends up being tfc starting number nine the rest of the way if he can bring some of those qualities and traits that we talked about earlier yeah for sure uh, a couple other comments here um, from Ravi just saying the fact that there's a Twitter account following how many days he hasn't scored and it's coming up to a year doesn't really instill confidence in our attack. Um, so, yes, there is a season the last time CJ Sapong scored a goal Twitter account. I'm sure someone will post it or, or retweet it um, at some point. Uh, hopefully he breaks that duck uh, in TFC, especially this weekend. Um, Corey Bradley comes in and just says Sapong is a proven, proven MLS co commodity. However, he's losing minutes to Teal Bunbury in Nashville and that's a troubling idea. I don't know if that's really the case. I mean I I think it's just a a fit thing more than anything, right? Like Teal Bunbury and and CJ Sapong in a lot of ways can kind of do similar things in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've I, I have watched a decent amount of Nashville games this year, but I wasn't paying that close attention to it. So I can't really speak on that point specifically by the way Corey brady i think oh, i think yeah he's sorry bradley. did i say bradley he's too many too many bradley's too many bradley's too many bradley's, <laughs> uh, too many bradley's. sorry Corey. uh apologize apologies for that no, shout out bradley Corey, on the brain. The yeah yeah exactly um, regular listener yeah exactly um not anymore <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah i can't speak on that specifically but i will say that from those i've spoken to in nashville he's still sapong is still Nashville starting striker. Yeah, for sure. Um, just a couple more comments I'll read here. Uh, the Frederico Bernadeschi fan club president uh, just chimes in and says, he's a proven MLS player who has good movement and holds the ball up well. We don't have anyone in the squad who can do what he does. Still think we need a DP striker in the summer. We just talked about that. That may not happen this summer, um, but this was badly needed. And like this, I would like to see him start on Saturday. Pretty good chance that he does actually end up in the lineup on Saturday. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. So I I believe he arrived in Toronto today. Mm -hmm. um, and they're 
going to be training with the team tomorrow is my understanding of it. So you get Thursday and you get Friday to train. He's been playing games frequently for Nashville. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be in a position to start unless there is something I'm wrong about uh, in terms of his arrival process here uh, with Toronto. So yeah, I'd expect that to be the case, but let's wait until Bob Bradley confirms it on Friday when he speaks to media. Yeah, uh, just a, a couple more I'll, I'll read out here. Uh, Jack says, love it. Tells me Bob Bradley had decided on bringing in a midfielder DP in the summer, not a number nine. At least that's what I hope he has decided. Do you think we actually even see a DP come in the summer, right, given the budget? Yeah, so there's two budgets, right? There's one that's the salary cap budget, yeah, which TFC are pretty much at, is my understanding. Like, they've almost maxed it out. Um, they could find a way to free up budget space because a DP coming in would only count about 300,000 against the cap if you come in in the summer. Um, the second part of that budget, though, the second budget I'm referring to is the budget from MLSC ownership, mm -hmm. right? TFC with Bernadeschi and Insigne and all the TAM level players that they acquired easily the highest spending team in major league soccer right insigne alone makes more than half of major league soccer's teams <laughs> so still ridiculous they, to think about they've spent a lot of money right yeah and no team's gonna go out there and get three of those types of players so they have a very limited budget to go and get a third dp um if the right player becomes available at the right cost, maybe it's possible that they swing a deal and they, they end up freeing up cap space to go and sign that player and acquire a third DP. But I think, again, I remember saying this over and over in the offseason building up, temper your expectations in terms of what DP means um, because it won't be a traditional DP um, that you'd expect. And yeah, Nathan's saying, I thought Oza was the official third DP this season. Yeah, right now he's occupying that DP, quote-unquote, DP but that slot. It's, the, it's a Yeah, he's a TAM-level contract. So if you, again, find ways to get more cap space and then you're able to buy that down using allocation money, then you free up a designated player spot. So it's not like he's absolutely locked in for the entirety of the season, um, but my understanding is that seems to be the plan uh, for this team just based on the budget that's available both with MLSC and with uh tfc so no bobby firmino then is basically what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely probably i mean unless he wants to come in on a really cheap contract i don't think so <laughs> yeah he's coming in at uh, 150k uh, for the season uh <laughs> not um okay and final comment here from tfc and you just saying if six of our strikers combined to be to form megazord then he's much more confident in the <laughs> striking uh, uh options here at tfc uh so thank you everybody for your comments on uh this week's burning question presented by Nextdoor canada uh really appreciate it obviously um we'll close out the show um i'll close on just a one on one note and just just around sort of the club and i think you know, some of the, some of the comments that are happening in, in the community right now, just, I, I would say that there's a lot of uh, angst, I, I think, you know, from, from fan base and look at it and it's completely all reasonable, right? Like it's completely, I get it, right? That like, like you said, team hasn't won one win in 15 games. It will make any fan base pretty ornery, right? Um but I, I would say keep it positive in the sense that, you know, there are a lot of TSU fans out there with a lot of different opinions on, on what this club is. I think at the end of the day, we all want to see Toronto FC back where we think it belongs, which is the top of the Eastern Conference for sure and potentially top of the league in, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of MLS. Just seeing some things out there that, um, you know, just – not the coolest and we get it twitter is not always the arbiter of of all things tfc fandom uh it's definitely a subsection um but just you know try to keep it positive out there in terms of just you know people got different views on tfc and in, in different ways of seeing things um so you know just just keep it just keep it cool uh in I terms remember, of your comments 
I remember uh, when I did the Lorenzo Insigne, that social clip that came out, by the way, one minute clip of our what, 15 minute chat. I guess that's mm-hmm. the way social media works. I'm not going to yeah. complain about that. But some of the comments and some of the DMs that I received, people are weirdly, weirdly pissed off about a take um, that, quite frankly, wasn't that serious. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, weirdly, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, we're, we do. We all do this because we love the team, right? We love soccer. We love Toronto. We love that football is here in Toronto. We love that we have a professional football team to go out there and 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 talk about and disagree with. Like that's the beauty of beauty of all of this, right? We are all sitting back here. We're on our couches. A lot easier to you know analyze and dissect the team from our couches. But we're no one's gonna have the same opinion all the time, right? I. You know, I tend to try and, you know, keep my opinions. You know, I, I like to to think that, you know, a lot of people agree with them, but I know that a lot of people don't agree with them all the time. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Same with you. Like, my, like yeah. every, same with Jeff. Like, a lot of, trust me, a lot of people don't agree with Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not here, so I could say that. <laughs> um, so... It's it. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of being sports fans. That's keep it as you said. Like keep it respectful. Keep it civil, um, and yeah, just try and embrace one another because it is it is a nice little community that we have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. We will be back next Monday evening, uh, recapping TFC's home match against NYCFC. Um, favorite ass all the Toronto Till I Die listeners. Give Nextdoor a follow uh, on Twitter at Nextdoor Canada and join the T- Toronto FC fans group if you're already on the app or if you're not uh, and feel so inclined, download the app uh, from the App Store or from Nextdoor.ca and join in all the fun. We will have contests coming up soon, um, including uh, a few fun uh, goodies to give away. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, for Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. See you all next week. Cheers, everybody. Appreciate you guys. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.